Thank you, Lord, for this time we have with you this morning. We treasure it. We cherish it, God. Because this is a place, this is a time where we can gather together as your people and worship you. To be in your presence, to express our hearts, to love you back, and just to feel your spirit minister back to us, Lord. There's nothing like that. And God, as we continue in your word, I pray that you would touch your word, open up your word to our hearts today, God. And may it speak to us, God. May it may it transform us, may it motivate us, may it encourage us, Lord. May it change us, Lord, into the people of God you want us to be. So anoint this time with your Holy Spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, last week, this lo- I read this article. This lobster diver in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, was swallowed by a humpback whale. Can you believe that? I mean, this, this is like Jonah's story, you know, just modern here. Uh, my daughter-in-law brought it to my attention. I thought, wow, this is crazy. Why, why, uh, in this article, it said that Michael Packard was 45 feet deep when he felt this huge bump and then everything went dark. At first, the article says he, he thought he'd been attacked by a shark, but he couldn't feel any teeth. Can you imagine being in his mouth and trying to, wait, wait, that's not sharp. The teeth isn't sharp. Well, it was then he realized he was inside a whale's mouth, thinking he was going to die. Of course, his thoughts turned to his wife and his two children. And he estimated that he was in the whale's mouth for 30 seconds while breathing through his uh, respirator scuba tank. And then the whale, well, found in his mouth his unwelcome and inedible creature, swam to the surface, shook his head, and spit out the trapped diver. Isn't that crazy? What a story. Packard told reporters this, and I quote, I just got thrown in the air and landed in the water. Can you imagine? Splashing. But then he said this, I was free and just floated there. And I, I, I just could imagine what he was feeling. I mean, can you imagine how relieved he was? You know, what, what an experience. I mean, be, be in the, you know, eaten by a whale, at least in his mouth. And then after that, just floating there, having made it through. I mean, I could picture him just kind of, you know, just floating on the water because the whole thing is over. Well, today, as we return to our, our study here in Revelation, we find the tribulation saints who, who had experienced so much pain, so much suffering in the persecution, in the tribulation time, that they're just, quote-unquote, or, or so to speak, floating in heaven above the tribulation on the earth, just taking it all in and basking in the glory of God. That's what we're going to see here. Today we're going to see the tribulation saints in glory. That's the title of our message. We're going to be covering Revelation chapter 9 from verse 9 through se- chapter 7 from verse 9 through 17. We finished off on verse 8. We're going to continue on in our study here. And our outline today is number 1 the spectacular worship, number 2 the specific grouping, and number 3 the special treatment. So we're going to finish off this chapter with the tribulation saints in glory. Let's begin number one in our outline, the spectacular worship, the spectacular worship. Now, in this section, for those of you taking notes, we're going to be covering verses 9 through 12. This will be our first section we're going to cover. But first of all, take a look at verse 9 and 10, verse 9 and 10. It reads there here, after this. I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So we'll stop right there. Now we begin with these two words. After this. And so after what we saw in the previous section uh, here in chapter 7, 
All this event, John now witnesses and he writes down. So after what? Well, after the sealing, the marking of the 144,000. You remember last week we saw that. God saved and raised up the 144,000 Jews to go out and share Jesus to their fellow brothers, their Jews, as missionaries of redeemed Israel. That was the title of our message last week. So these were the sealed uh, with that mark, right? saying they belong to God, that mark protected them from, from the judgments and the tribulation, protected them from anything Satan, the Antichrist, could do to them. I was thinking, you could say the 144,000 are the sealed servants, and next after this, we see the saved saints. So, John writes, after this, after the 144,000, he looked, behold, a great multitude, Multitude. He sees this, the, 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 really the original language is talking about this huge crowd. I mean, we're talking millions upon millions are here. I mean, he writes right here, it's, it's countless, right? No one could number this whole multitude of people that's seen in heaven now. And he describes that these people are from every nat- nation, every country, from all tribes, like all people groups you could think of, from, from every race, from every language you could think of, P- all people, all millions and millions of people are there in heaven. This is what he sees. This international group also, he saw them standing before the throne room of God or the throne of God. So they're right there. They're right in center uh, area, you know, center by the center stage of where God is enthroned. And before the Lamb, and when you remember the Lamb is Jesus Christ. And I like the, the description of the Lamb, which points to Jesus who suffered and died on the cross for our sins. So the scene shows millions and millions of people in heaven before God's throne. So get that picture right here. And then he sees them. They're clothed in white, and we talked about that before. That's the robes of the righteousness of Christ. That means they're, they're saved, right? They've received salvation. They receive that, that, that righteousness of Christ when they uh, believed and received Jesus Christ. But here in the scene, not only do they have the robes, but they're holding in their hand palm branches. And the palm branches, usually it, it, it refers or it shows joy, and, and it also shows victory or deliverance here so these guys are out of the tribulation now and they're in heaven and they've been delivered from all that and so verse 10 they're crying out with a loud voice salvation right comes from that one on the throne salvation comes from god who's the ruler of all things he has the power he is the ruler he's taking us out and they also uh praise or give give worship to the lamb Praise be to Jesus. So here's this massive crowd of believers. They're in heaven praising God for salvation and deliverance from this time of tribulation on the earth. Now, understand, these are not the 144,000 Jews. These are actually the fruit of the 144,000 missionaries. See, the 144,000, they did not just go and witness to the Jews in Israel, but their influence went out. And they also affected the Gentiles throughout the whole world. And that's what I believe when we see the word, the two words actually in verse 9, after this, after the 144,000 are sent out, the next scene, right, from verse 1 through 8, the next scene in 9 through 17, the, next, the rest of the chapter, we see these tribulation saints in heaven. So there's a correlation here. We see their influence, and it was felt all over the world. So after this, we see many Gentiles saved. And you have to understand, this is millions and millions of them. This is, this, these saved saints in this scene of heaven means that the world has seen the time of the greatest revival ever. So this all shows this, and this is the first thing I want you to, to, to get into your minds, is in the time of the greatest persecution, God will bring about the greatest revival. Think about that. 
out of this, you know, the tribulation time in heaven is this scene of all these saints. And, and, but down on earth is this great persecution going on. Remember, I've been talking to you about this. We know the Antichrist and the world will persecute Christians in the worst persecution ever in history. We saw that with the fifth seal, right? They're going to be abused, suppressed. They're going to be beaten, tortured. All kinds of things are going to happen, and they're going to be killed. Yet in the end, These people will be saved. These believers, they're going to have white robes standing before God in heaven. They're going to be saved. And they're going to be delivered. They're holding those palm branches, praising God. Salvation, you saved us. You delivered us, God. And they're going to be celebrating their victory over anything the devil did against them. And so, imagine these believers. They're saved, right? May, it's not just a, a few that will be, be saved during this time, but there's a great revival going to go on, but many will be saved. And imagine these believers on earth, they're fleeing the Antichrist, the persecution. Maybe they go from country to country, from place to place. But as they go, they bring the gospel of Jesus there. And so this fire spreads. And even in this time of the greatest persecution of Christians and the worst time ever, God will bring about the greatest revival. John Phillips wrote in his commentary, the more the beast fans the flames of repression, or you say suppression, the more the Holy Ghost fans the flames of revival. I love that. That's such a great thought to me. It, it, it's, it's so much hope for us, right? For, for those who come to believe during the tribulation time. And, and you know, go, go back to where... Where, where, where it shows that, in like in verse 9, that they're before the Lamb. Or verse 10 at the end, it says, And to the Lamb they're worshiping, they're giving praise to the Lamb. And, and you know, I circled Lamb there in my Bible because I believe, it, it doesn't say Lion here, but it says Lamb. And, and the Holy Spirit is bringing to our attention how Jesus is described as the Savior of our souls. And even during this time of judgment falling on the earth, even during this time, he's still here as a lamb who is our savior, still saving people, emphasizing that even in the tribulation time of judgment. So God's grace is still saving people. And I love that thought, that there is this grace even in the midst of judgment, that Jesus still reaches out. He still wants to save people, and that's exactly what we're seeing here and what's going on. Well, let's go on to verse 11 and 12. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So here's the next thing in this scene. In this, they, here's the tribulation saints, the millions of them, right? They start praising God. Here's these, these people, right? And they start praising God. Then, then John writes how the angels now, the elders... And then even the four living creatures, they start joining in and they, they, they come in with their own worship here. Now, he writes, there's angels, first of all. There's, here there, there's these angels around the throne. And we got that scene in Revelation uh, 4 or 5, I believe, there. And when John uh, described that, it, it was thousands and thousands of angels. So there's millions and millions, this international crowd, Massive crowd of people who've been saved, in the, right? And then here's these angels, thousands and the thousands. Then next he describes the elders. Remember Revelation 4, there's 24 elders, and that really represents the churches there. And then right next to the throne, you remember it was described even back in uh, Revelation 4 and 5, there's four living creatures. Remember, that's the cherubim, the high-level powerful angels, and they were tasked to, to bring out the judgments, right? In Revelation 6, we saw the four horsemen. Well, that, here's the cherubim, here's the church, or the 24 elders, here's all the thousands of angels, and, and they fall down, all of them, before the throne, and they worship God. 
So there's this spectacular time of worship going on. This is amazing, this scene that John sees. And then the angels, the church, the 24 elders, the cherubim, they start worshiping God. And we see here in verse 12 saying, Amen. The word amen, it means like it is so. It, it, it really means like this is truth. This is true. It's affirming the truth. And as they say amen, they're affirming the truth about God here. And what do they say? Well, how they worship God? Well, first, the amen is for blessing. They give God blessing. They praise God who is the source of every blessing. Worshiping him in that way. They give him glory, for only God is worthy of all glory. They, they, they ascribe to him wisdom. You know what? I believe they're praising God for the wisdom in salvation. How God had, had brought about this whole plan of salvation. How we are saved through Christ. Not, not, not the animals, not doing this or that, but through the work of what Jesus did, nothing that we've done. And then they, they give God, thanksgiving, they thank God for, for we have a way to receive forgiveness. We have a way now to have a relationship with God. And then they give honor to, I believe, the King and our Lord Jesus. And then they ascribe to Him power, aim into His power. No one has greater power to save, to help, to bring people to salvation and then might they say they give him might no one nothing even you know what satan the antichrist is mightier than god the almighty so can you see the the you know why they're saying this can you get the feeling of this can you see the worship just breaking out and then they put another book in yeah they start with am amen and they end with amen let it be it is soul This is truth. This is the truth about God. So we see the spectacular worship going on, both with these saints, with this international saved saints, and also with the angels, the elders, the the cherubim, all coming together. They break out in this spectacular worship. But you know what I was thinking about? First we see the saved saints you know, praising God, salvation, deliverance. And then right after that, all of a sudden, the, 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 this group in heaven we've already been in, introduced to, they break out into this even more worship, more intense. And why is that? Why do they break out into this spectacular worship? Well, let me give you this this morning. All of heaven breaks out into worship when they see how in the worst of times, God turns it into the best of times. Do you understand that? This is like the greatest revival is happening on the earth, in the world, right now in the tribulation times. And then they're there in heaven now. And then the, the original group we saw early in Revelation, they see these people now, they're coming, and they're like, whoa, God, you're amazing. I mean, we... I've talked about this, and we, we you know, hear so much of this about seven years being a time of judgment. It is. Judgment on the world, the unbelieving world. We saw how even when the rocks fell, in, fell on the, the people of the earth, they still didn't turn and, and give their life to God. We saw that in the last seal, right? But still, here we get this, this picture. We get this glimpse. We see this prophecy that, that there will be millions and millions of souls being saved. With, and they're going to be in heaven with their white robes, waving their branches in joy and, and victory and deliverance. That they're in heaven. And so think about the rest of heaven, seeing these guys come up. They cannot but praise God. And so as soon as they hear the first group, these saved saints, as they raise their voices to praise God, salvation, yeah, to God and the Lamb, suddenly they cannot hold back their worship, blessing, honor, wisdom, power, might. They're just amazed to see. Think about this. Perhaps some of them seen their family now in heaven. Perhaps seeing their friends in heaven. 
perhaps seen those that they've been praying for, right? The church is in heaven now. And then now this group comes and it's like, whoa, they're, they're here. They, they made it. And, and their heart is just rejoicing in all of this. So get the, get the scene here of what's going on and why they break out into so much worship. And, and amen, they're saying amen or amen here. They made it. You know what? I was thinking about what Jesus said in Luke 15.10. This is the NLT. There is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So think about this. This is countless people. This is a huge crowd. This is a great multitude. This is millions and millions of people, of saved saints in heaven. And no wonder they break out into this incredible, spectacular worship. They see the greatest revival happen. And they see that how in the worst of times, God turns it into the best of times. You know, I was thinking about that. Maybe you're here, maybe you're connected, and, you know, maybe it seems like all is lost. But it doesn't mean God is done. His strength is made perfect in weakness, right? Second Corinthians 12. When it seems like the end of things, you know what? A lot of times God is just getting started. Amen? So even in the worst of times, God can turn it around to be the best of times. So in what we see here in the first section, receive that from the Lord. Receive that. In the the worst of times, the tribulation is going to be bad. But out of that comes the greatest revival ever. And I could just imagine the church in heaven seeing their loved ones, seeing those they prayed for seeing the ones that they planted seeds, yeah, are there now. They made it. And what else can we say? But glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus, for saving them. Well, let's go on to number two here. The specific grouping. As we see the tribulation saints in glory, we saw the spectacular worship. And now as we go on, verse 13 through the first part of 15, the specific grouping. First of all, Let's begin with verse 13. Then one of the elders addressed me, that's John, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? Verse 14, I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, one of the 24 elders, uh, one of the representatives of the church, goes to John and is like, hey, who are these guys now? He's talking about the millions and millions of people, the international group of believers there in heaven now who who praise God for salvation and deliverance. He's like, who who are these guys? Where where, where did they come from? And John's kind of like, uh, I know that you know, you know. <laughs> but it's sort of a really a rhetorical question, and the elder's not asking because he doesn't know. But in a customary way, he's, he's throwing this question out to put attention to what is to be put forth here, to what the answer is, And here we have it in Scripture, and here it's really put forth, so we would put attention to it, too, to John and any reader of Revelation. So who are these millions and millions of people? Well, we see here, don't we, in verse 14, it says, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. So the millions and millions of people are, and I kind of slipped it in, but, you know, (laughs) as we were talking, but but obviously it it would come into our minds that these people are identified as this specific grouping of people now. These are the ones coming out of the tribulation. These are, and I, I mentioned this the other day, other week, right? The tribulation saints. That's what they're called. That's what we call them. That's our term. These saved saints are actually the tribulation saints. These are the ones saved during the tribulation. They've been now martyred in the tribulation for their faith. And now they've come out of the tribulation into glory to be in heaven forever and ever. So 
So this is the group. This is the specific grouping we're seeing here. And it's pointed out here specifically for us to understand. Now, the wording here where it says um, out of the great tribulation, the great tribulation actually refers to the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Jesus actually um, called that in Matthew 24, 21. And why is it great tribulation? I mean, overall, the seven years, we call it the tribulation. But the last three and a half years is the great tribulation. Why is that? Well, because the Antichrist is just going to go crazy in his persecution against believers. And also, the judgments only get worse and worse and worse. And we're going to see even demons coming out and 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 attacking people and going after people and roaming all of the earth more than ever, ever before. So that's, it's, it's, the, it's a great, it's the worst time ever. And then notice something here. That I like how the ESV translates here. It says in verse 14, these are the ones coming out of the great tri- tribulation. Notice the word coming. Uh, I like that because that is correctly translated and most of the modern translations will translate it that way. But what it is, it's, it's speaking of this continual process. So it seems to me, this is saying the numbers of the tribulation saints there in heaven, the millions and millions, are going to be continuing to grow. They're going to grow in number. And they're coming. They're coming out of the tribulation. Now, you know, the rapture of the church is a one single event that happens sudden and instant, right? First uh, Thessalonians 4, 16, 17. So the rapture just happens like that. We're all there. But in this scene, it shows how those who've been saved during that seven-year tribulation, they reaching heaven, right, after they've been martyred and all, it's this continual thing that's happening during that time. So it builds and builds and builds into this huge number and the number keeps growing and growing they're coming out you remember when the rapture happens not one believer is left on earth but by god's grace people will get saved and the tribulation saints that's this group who are getting saved so understand this today there's there's like take note there's like five groups of people in the book of revelation one is the church Another group is the tribulation saints, the believers who've been saved there. Thirdly, another group we've seen last time is the 144,000 Jewish missionaries. Number four, I would say, is redeemed Israel, Jews who've come to Christ through their ministry. And the last group, number five, is the unsaved, those who do not give their life to Christ. So this is a specific grouping that is put forth to, for us to see. Now, given this question, um, to identify this group, I don't think this was the only reason for this passage we're looking at. I, I believe God, he pointed out who these guys are, but now we see God wanted to honor these saints, these tribulation saints. And so, let me put this out to you. God put, in, put this into the eternal record of Scripture to properly recognize the sacrifice of these believers. God put this into our Bibles. And you know what? These guys are recognized now forever. It's in the Word now, right? To properly recognize their sacrifice they made, right? They, they were martyred for taking a stand in Jesus. They gave their life. Notice how, how, how the elder says, these guys in verse 14, they've washed their robes and made them white. How? In the blood of the Lamb. Now that sounds weird, doesn't it? How do you take your robe and wash it in blood and it come out white? Well, we know what it's talking about. It's talking about the, the, the blood that cleanses us from sin, Christ's blood that forgives us and takes away the guilt. It talks about how his blood makes us whole and we're made righteous. And, but it is Christ's blood that was, was shed for us. So by the cleansing of the blood of Jesus, or the sacrifice, let's say, of Jesus, how he made on the cross, we're saved. So I believe this. I believe the elder phrases this to say, since Jesus shed 
his blood for their sake, so these have shed their own blood for Jesus' sake. So I think he's pointing out how these guys, they sacrificed their life. They gave, they spilled their blood for Jesus. And so God honors those who honored Jesus. Remember, this is, this is the most brutal persecution ever in, in history. But in that, they stood for Christ. And so God recognizes them and forever it's recorded right here in the Bible. What an honor that is. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, the second part of the verse says, For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So God put this into the eternal record of Scripture to properly recognize the sacrifice of these believers. And then, secondly here, God will properly reward now the tribulation saints for giving their lives in the name of Jesus. Look at verse 15, just the first part. It says, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. Therefore means since... These guys, right, they're, they, they, they came out of the tribulation. And they came out, what, by being martyred. They came out by sacrificing their life, spilling their own blood for Jesus' sake. Therefore, because since they gave it all to Jesus, they are now positioned, first of all, before the throne of God. They're in the front section now. They're, they're, they're in that area right near the throne, right there, right by the throne in the front section. Now you're probably wondering if you remember last time we saw the martyrs, these tribulation saints, we were introduced to them when they were under the altar. Remember when the fifth seal was broken open? And, and what were, remember they were crying out to God and saying, God, when will you take vengeance, you know? When will you take vengeance of how the devil is, you know, uh, uh, killing and persecuting and martyring, you know, our brothers and all of us. And God's like, well, just wait, just wait, time's coming. Well, you know what I believe? Time's come. Yeah. The judgments falling upon the world are the vengeance. And so now they're moved up. They're no longer under the altar. Now they're right there before God, right in the front section. Now, you can study this on your own too. Uh, there is um, uh, in some commentaries, and I, I've been reading uh, different people that uh, they mentioned that it could be with the scene we're seeing here in the second part of chapter 7 Revelation is actually a peek into the future. It could mean that uh, when they say, you know, every nation, that even 144,000 are there, so it's at the end of the tribulation. It could be that, that uh, all of this has been happening. The tribulation saints are taken out of under the altar now, are, are with God there because it's the end of the tribulation. And, and so it could be it's speaking about the future or taking a peek into the future right here. But it's hard to say for sure. I'm thinking maybe it's both. I was driving the other day meditating on this, and I thought, well, you know, Lord, some say this, and I, I'm kind of seeing it this way. But, re- honest, I mean, uh, realistically, when, as we go into Revelation, not everything is in chronological order. Um, uh, so it, it could be that, you know. And then I was thinking, well, it could be one of those, you know, we're getting a glimpse of heaven, and that's the eternal realm. And it could be, well, maybe uh, this is some space-time continuum kind of thing, you know, where present is really future or future is present. And anyway, you can study this on your own. But, but they're there now. Just get that. They're there before the throne, right? And verse 15 tells us that uh, they serve him day and night in his temple. So they're, they're, they've... They're, they're, they're serving God. Day and night means continually. And to me, this speaks of not only ha- do they have this position before God, but they have a place now of service. Later in Revelation 20, they're going to join in with the church ruling and reigning in the millennium. So here's, here's, here's this idea I want you guys to get. God rewarded these tribulation saints with a position close to God and serve Him right there. They're properly rewarded for their sacrifice and how they gave their life. I mean, 
Think about these guys now, the tribulation saints. Remember, the, remember they came to Jesus during the, the time of the tribulation, after the rapture, right? After rapture, no believers, right? And can you imagine, they all of a sudden, we, I've talked about this, right? All of a sudden, they're like, whoa, what, oh, what my dad said it was true, you know? Oh, oh, oh my gosh, what my friend was telling about Jesus, it's true, they're gone, they're rapture, we're, we're in the end times. And remember, they're going to give their life to Jesus. They're going to find Bibles, they're going to look up the, the Revelation sermons on YouTube and try and learn and get more information. Imagine how they feel during the, during the tribulation. Imagine the regret in their heart. I missed the rapture. Oh my gosh. I didn't believe. I should have believed. But with that, they turn to Jesus with a passion and a commitment that we probably will never, you know, uncompared to maybe be like the, you know, disciples, apostles. But they're, they're going to be on fire because of all of that, that even death will not take Jesus out of their lives. Now they know the truth. They know what it is. Cool. So can you imagine them? Oh, we didn't go with the church. Oh, oh but I'm going to hold on to Jesus no matter what. So when they go to heaven, maybe they thought, well, hey, at least I made it. I don't care if I'm in the back row. Right? I, don't, I don't care if I'm, I'm, I'm under the altar. No, no matter. Yeah? I don't care if I'm in a lower place. I'm just happy to make it in. And then they come. And they're ushered in before God, it says, in the front section, where the churches, where the angels, where the cherubim, right there. You see, God is going to properly reward them for the sacrifice they're making. They're going to be blessed and ushered to the front. A few years ago, Chris and I were blessed with tickets to the Lauren Daigle concert on Oahu. It was, it, was, it was unbelievable. I, I hadn't been to a concert like that in a long time in the, in the Blaisdell Big Arena and everything, you know. And everything was just amazing. The, the music, the, the, the sound system, <laughs> everything was just so pleasing. It was just amazing. And, and the thing was, the person who gave us tickets, it was in the front section. And it wasn't just in the front section. Actually, um, there was two sections and, and there was the I think it was the third row, right, Kristen? And the front row. And um, uh, uh, we, were, we kind of switched around because someone had to leave and everything. But anyway, it was so close. I could see Lauren Daigle's expression on her face. Her eyes, you know, how she moved her eyes and, and face. It was like, whoa, we're right there. I, you know, I don't remember ever a time I was so close, you know, in a big concert like that. And, and it was so wonderful. I thought, oh, I died and went to heaven. No, not really, but... But you know the feeling, right? That blessing. And, and I was just so encouraged and blessed by God's gift there. That's what's going to happen here. These guys who felt like, oh, we missed it. Oh, wow. oh, gosh, we didn't make it. But with passion and commitment, they hold on to Jesus no matter what. And when they come into heaven, they're right there before God. And not only that, they have a place. They have a job. They can serve God too. It's not like, well, sorry, you guys, you, you missed the rapture, you didn't believe, so you just sit on the sidelines and watch. No, God properly rewards them and blesses them. Are you being persecuted today? Jesus promised his reward for you. Matthew 5.10, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You're going to make it through. Hold on. Keep honoring God and He will honor you. Run your race. Run your race all the way. Do not stop until the finish. And you know you'll be like these tribulation saints in glory. Let's go on to number three here. The special treatment. The special treatment. We've seen the spectacular worship, the specific grouping, and now the special treatment. Look at verse 15, the, rest, the second part of 15 through 17 here. And we'll finish the chapter. It says here, verse 15, And he who sits on the throne will shelter them and 
uh, shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb uh, in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Isn't that beautiful? Amen, Amen right? Amen. So when they come into heaven, these tribulation saints who've been through so much, God is going to care for them. God is going to love on them. God is, you know what, going to give them this special treatment. And here's the first thing we see. Number one, they will be under eternal protection. They will be under eternal protection. God who sits on the throne will shelter them with his protection presence and 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 what better protection we have when God's presence is right there God himself would like spread over them like a tent shielding them protecting them no harm will ever come to them anymore they won't be chased they won't be beaten they won't be abused they won't be killed viciously martyred or anything these tribulation saints are protected for uh, forever they will be under eternal protection you know what I think about I think about how in the Old Testament when the Israelites marched out of Egypt, God spread over them his Shekinah glory, right? A, a, a cloud by day, a fire by night. And that visible presence of God, and it kept Israel safe and secure against any other nation or any other enemy. And so here is God himself forever protecting. They will be under the eternal protection, these tribulation saints. Number two, they will be under eternal provision. They will be under eternal provision. They're going to hunger no more. Thirst no more, right? No more being in the scorching sun and the heat. No more being out there, having nothing and in the elements. But now in glory, God's boundless provision. We're going to see later... In Revelation, I believe it's Revelation 13, that the Antichrist, right, he's going to require the mark. We know the mark of the beast, right? That every person would uh, have to take this mark as a sign of allegiance to him and worship the Antichrist as, as God, acknowledge him. Yes, he's God by taking this mark. And on top of that, we know this, right? You cannot buy or sell without that mark. But because of their stand against them, what are believers going to do? What are Christians going to do? They're not going to take that mark. And so what's going to happen? On top of the persecution, they cannot buy anything, their groceries. They can't sell anything to to get money, to provide for themselves. They can't pay rent. They can't have a car. You You know what? They're basically be forced into homelessness. But God said, no more sun, no more being out there, no more being homeless, no more being hungry, no more being thirsty. You're going to be under my eternal provision. Oh, how wonderful that must have been for them. They have gone so long without. But now they never have to worry ever of being provided for. So, they will be under eternal protection. They will be under eternal provision. Number three, they will be under the eternal care of the great shepherd. And so we see in verse 17, for the Lord is in the midst of the the lamb, I'm sorry, in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and guide them. So the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, will be their shepherd. In other words, they belong to God's flock and they're going to be under the special Uh, care of the great shepherd, the Lord Jesus. And he's going to lead them, I like this, to the springs of living water. What is that? This is the life that Jesus gives us. That's what the living water is. Jesus will give life and sustain them as he will all of us. Revelation 22, verse 1 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. That's what's going to sustain us in heaven. That's what is going to give us life. Jesus is going to be that one, the great shepherd. So just as a shepherd takes care, sustains his flock, 
So Jesus will be for these guys. So they will live under eternal protection, under eternal provision, under the eternal care of the great shepherd. And number four, last thing, they will live under the eternal blessing of heaven. This is, that's what I call it. The last part in verse 17, the last part today says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, can you believe that? Can you imagine the tribulation saints who, who are on earth before they get to heaven, the hope that they see, yeah? That God's going to recognize them. He's going to reward them. And then, then God's going to come and He's going to bless them. And there's a special treatment they're going to be given, even though they feel like, we're not part of the church. We didn't go. We just you know, came after. But still, God will be there for them. And God will wipe away every tear. They're not, they're, they'll cry no more. No more pain, no more sorrow, sorrow, no more suffering from the persecution that they endured. These tribulation saints have now reached glory here in chapter 7. Gone are the dark days. They are in heaven. Oh, I was thinking about that. Gone are the dark days, right? No more tears. No, you know, no, God's going to wipe that away. No more of that pain, the dark days. No more of that sorrow, the dark days. You know, I was thinking about when I first gave my life to Jesus and accepted Him into my life, and, and things changed inside of me, yeah. And, and, and I became a new creation, oh, Jesus, and all of a sudden I had this joy. I, I had peace. I had this, oh, the, the security in God. I knew I was loved, and, and, and that, oh, there's just... I don't know how to explain, but I had the sense God is real. Jesus loves me. He's here in my life, and the Holy Spirit is living in me. And you know what? I was thinking back on that. At that moment, when I received Jesus, at that time, gone were the dark days. Gone was that tur- all that turmoil I had when I went right, right when I, before I came to Jesus, right? Gone were all the struggles inside me, the stress and the pressures, all the battles and everything. Now, it turned all around to freedom and peace and joy. And I look back on those times, and I was thinking about this, you know, before Jesus, and they were the dark days, but when Jesus came into my life, gone were the dark days. Now, yeah, I still have trials. I still have problems and things but oh now I have Jesus now I have the Holy Spirit and it's not like before it's not like before I was healed I was freed and even today I feel like he's still healing those things in your mind yeah he's freeing you from those things in your heart that trip you up and 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 some of the battles we have inside of us you know, insecurities or pride or or fleshly things like jealousy you know or hate or unforgiveness i mean he's healing those dark things are going and here we see ultimately in heaven gone are the dark days and soon it will be for us when we go home to heaven in the rapture. Soon, I say. Maranatha. Gone are the dark days. All the trouble, trial, tribulation will come to the end and God will wipe the tears from our eyes and, and we'll be in the presence of God and all that will be gone. Gone. Find hope today in that. That there will come a time when the dark days will be gone. When the tears will be no more. When you will be with Jesus. Hold on to Him. Cling to Him as tight as you can. Pretty soon, you'll be saying, Oh, thank you, Lord God, for those dark days. Let me close with this. A dear elderly Christian woman lay dying with her husband by her side, holding her hand, and as she spoke her last words with her very last breath, their eyes met, and a huge tear rolled down her wrinkled face. Then knowing she had passed into eternity, the husband said, Thank God that is the last one. 
So it will be for you and I. There will be that last tear. There will be that last tinge of things that causing the tear to come out. And for us who believe and live for Jesus, we will be with the Lord forever. And it will be just like what we see with these here in Revelation 7, the tribulation saints in glory. Let's pray. Lord God, what a wonderful glimpse of heaven we have seen today. It's a little peek of what's going to be happening during the tribulation. And God, what a glorious and wonderful view we have right now, Lord, of your love, your grace, of your glory, of your power and might, of seeing tribulation saints in heaven. Oh, Lord, of seeing them touched and rewarded and, and treated specially, God. God, and how you wipe away our tears. Lord, wipe away our tears right now with hope, with your love, with your Holy Spirit ministering to our hearts and telling us that you love us. And no matter what we've done, there is grace. That even with these tribulation saints who had rejected you and walked away from you, yet after the rapture and in the tribulation, God, you still reached out and they were saved. Lord, save us from ourselves today. Save us, God, from those struggles inside of the flesh, of the things, Lord, of our old person. Free us, heal us, God. Wipe away the tears right now, and I pray for every person in this room and connected that your spirit would do that very thing right now. Touch us with your hand, God, as you heal the blind when you're here on this earth. As you raise the dead, God, raise us up from the deadness, Lord, and put inside of us a new life of passion for you. I pray for anyone here who is not saved, who hears the sound of my voice, who is not saved, that they would give their heart to you and accept you into their life and that you would save them, forgive them, cleanse them, make them new, And free them and heal them right now. Oh God, we look forward to that day when we would have, we would be in the front section. I don't don't care if I'm uh, I'm in the back row of the front section. (laughs) But I just want to be there with you, Lord. And being there with you, with my love, God, that's the greatest thing in the whole world to me. It's what I look forward to. It's what I cherish now in worship, Lord. And so, God, our heart longs for you to be with you, to see you in heaven in all of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.